Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. The donation process is a complicated collection of moving parts and partners. We work with over 80 hospitals that notify the LifeBank Donor Referral Center when someone meets medical criteria to be an organ, eye, or tissue donor. However, there are several larger hospitals within Northeast Ohio that are specifically equipped to handle severe head trauma and have many more opportunities for organ donation to take place. To ensure that the donation protocols and policies are in place at these large facilities, LifeBank staff members work side by side with hospital staff. And as you can imagine, communication is key for successful outcomes. One way to make sure everyone is on the same page in terms of donation is LifeBank has committed staff members located at these large centers. And another tool is that each of these large hospitals have utilized something called the Donor Council to initiate a team approach to fulfilling the wishes of a donor and or their family. Hi, you're listening to episode 107 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. I have three wonderful colleagues with me as guests today. We have Christine Chambers, Jenny Oliver, and Mary Sansone, who work in some of the busiest hospitals we have in Northeast Ohio. Ladies, could you introduce yourselves and share a little bit about what you do and where you're located? Christine, let's start with you. Thanks, Colleen. I really appreciate you having us today. So I am based at Cleveland Clinic main campus, and my role here is hospital services coordinator with LifeBank. And the folks in the hospital know that I'm available to them for any part of the organ donation process, helping to do education with physicians and nurses on their role in organ donation, as well as coordinate our donor council, which we'll talk about obviously today in in depth, and really just making sure the events and awareness about organ donation run smoothly between LifeBank and the hospital. So I think that kind of puts it in a little nutshell, but we'll talk more in detail. Great. Jenny, you want to jump in? Sure. Thanks for having us today, Colleen. Uh, Jenny Oliver, I'm a hospital services coordinator and trainer here at University Hospitals Cleveland Medical Center. And much like Christine said, I'm here at UH at the main campus, even though we're part of a larger system, but I'm the point person for all things donation here and work with all of our various teams from LifeBank just kind of serve as the bridge to help make donation happen here at UHCMC. Thanks, Jenny. And finally, Mary Sansone. Hi, Colleen, and, and thank you again for having us um, speak on such an important topic. My name is Mary Sansone, and I am basically the liaison between LifeBank and Mercy Health Youngstown, which includes 
St. Elizabeth Youngstown Hospital, St. Elizabeth Boardman Hospital, and St. Joseph Warren Hospital. And similar to the ladies prior to me um, explaining, basically just a conduit of information and service between Life Bank and Mercy Health Youngstown. Thank you for those great explanations. And it's clear to see at those larger, busier hospitals, your role is vital to the donation process. Christine, can you talk a little bit about why it's important to be boots on the ground inside a large hospital like the Cleveland Clinic? You know, first off, what comes to mind for everyone is really when there is a potential organ donor and how does the hospital communicate uh, to LifeBank about that? So that's like the first thing that everyone recognizes. But behind that is really the whole process of education and training to the nurses and physicians as to when we would refer a patient, when we would consult LifeBank. So I think that's like the first major piece of it. But we also want to be aware that obviously not only LifeBank as the leader in Northeast Ohio regarding organ donation, but the hospitals have a responsibility too under the federal regulations and agencies to really promote donation awareness and registration. So there's so much work. I mean, Colleen, it's like we could spend an hour talking about this topic. So I'm just going to touch on those things. And I know the other two ladies have some good thoughts on this too. Educating the staff as to what kind of patient meets criteria to be an organ donor and when to then contact us is really the very beginning of the donation process. Jenny, I'm going to turn to you to move forward a little bit. Let's say hypothetically that we had an organ donor case at UH and the LifeBank staff coordinated the recovery and things went well. There were, there were great outcomes. But at this point, many people feel like our role is over and that's the stopping point. However, that's not true. Can you explain? Sure. It's, it's a complete process, and I just call it that one big continuous cycle because by the time we're done with that, usually another case starts again. Once a case is completed, we end up here from the hospital end, and, and our role is to give the case outcomes to the staff members, what was recovered, because that really is the, a very big engagement piece. Every single person that I encounter who's been on a case, let me know what happens. Send me a text, call me, you know, whatever. They want to make sure that all of that hard work paid off, but more importantly, they want to know that something good came out of a horrible situation. And that's what we do. So we do it through outcome cards. I was just on a neuro staff meeting this morning, giving them two case outcomes. And it helps the staff understand the why behind donation. And as Christine mentioned, all of our education is to help the hospitals not only be in compliance, but understand the the why behind it of of donation. And then we report back, um, Mary, Christine, I have very robust donor councils, and we do case reviews. We look at cases and we look at process improvement pieces on what we could do better to streamline the process, not only on LifeBankton, but the hospital's end and in cultivating supporters through donor council, that is how we're able to move the needle and make it a process improvement piece, make it more streamlined, make it part of their clinical practice. 
Yeah. And that's, that's where we get the big support from donor council. And all three of us have very high level engagement at the table. And that makes the difference. Yeah. From the hospital staff point, this was a patient they were caring for and didn't survive. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you are absolutely right. The outcome is they were able to save lives. And I think that is something staff members can take home with them and know that they did a great job. And that's also part of the family care because they know how much family care that we do at Life Bank, but they also are partners with us here at the hospital on it as well. So it really is because it's such a multidisciplinary team on, on both sides. Christine? I'd say one of the other major, actually in my mind, the most important thing that the hospital donor council does that standing in place of the entire hospital is really to honor the wishes of donors, registered donors who've actually declared that they had the intention to be a donor or in those cases that the family has decided for them or knew their wishes. So all the background work that we're doing really is based around this. Well, the decision to be a registered organ, eye, or tissue donor is an end-of-life advance directive, really. And it's Life Bank's charge to make sure the desire of that individual or their family to be a donor is fulfilled. You know what? I'm really glad you brought that up, Christine. Mary, I'm going to turn to you now. You have a very strong and active donor council at Mirth Sea Health, St. Elizabeth's in Youngstown. How has the council impacted that hospital? Well, Colleen, there's a long history of a very uh, multidisciplinary and, like Jenny said, robust um, donor council for Mercy Health Youngstown. I'm proud to say that our membership is about 50, and and our meetings are very well attended. And the really cool thing about the council is that you don't really need fancy initials to be a part of the council. Anybody with a perspective on organ donation, whether we have a recipient on our donor council, we have donor families. And true, we have administrative support, which is awesome because they can drive change at a high level for the organization and countless physicians who are the boots on the ground in the ICU helping form policies, et cetera. And so together, when we meet, we review data. We look for ways to improve the process for some of the things the ladies mentioned. But also, the impact that the donor council can make is, you know, drive change. None of us are perfect. And when we identify areas needing improvement, um, we take a holistic approach to make things better for everyone so that we work together for our common goal. And also, um, specifically for Mercy Health Youngstown Donor Council, we exchange information. We have spotlight presentations, accenting some of our clinical partners part in donations, such as the echocardiology team, the lab team, the blood bank team. Every meeting we have a spotlight presentation so that the whole donor council can understand that this donation process is encompasses so many of us and we're all important. And they may not know what another entity does behind the scenes to make a donor, you know, come to fruition. So um, that in addition to pioneering and planning a Donate Life celebration every year, minus COVID years, but we bring all organ tissue and I donor families together for one very special day and celebrate their loved ones' gifts. And people volunteer left and right for subcommittees to make that happen. And it's a day where 
families can be together and communicating with a very small niche of people that have shared their same experience. So there's many things the Donor Council does, and it's all obviously volunteer membership, but like I said, 50 people strong, and it's been going for a while. And honestly, I'd be remiss not to mention Denise Mace-Bajunik and Dr. Brian Gruber, who chair the Donor Council and keep it um, really relevant within the Mercy Health Youngstown culture. Thanks, Mary. You know, you guys are seen every day by staff at that center at, at Cleveland Clinic, at UH, and at Mercy Health. So you're one of them. You know, you're part of the care team. That's my takeaway is that you're working with the staff to make sure that the donation process takes place and happens and the outcome is successful for them as well as Life Bank. Jenny, can you speak uh, a little bit about a positive change that you've seen come out of the donor council meetings? UH has had a donor council since 04, and we did a reconfiguration this year of really getting an executive sponsor. The CMO has been the executive sponsor, and that has really pushed down the accountability as well as system-wide support. And then our other 20 members come from a strong group of disciplinary functions. And what we've done there that's been a good outcome is to help streamline the process. And we're looking at managing donors for better outcomes and really trying to streamline that. And our trauma team took the lead in putting together some practice management guidelines. And um, Dr. Loudon, who's the director of the trauma surgical ICU, presented those. And now he has really streamlined the process in his unit to make sure that we have a window of opportunity to talk to families so potential donors are managed as best that can be and there are certain protocols in place so we're getting better outcomes. Families aren't as rushed in the conversation. There's better communication between the licensing team, the UH team, and really by him presenting this at donor council and us looking at the clinical outcomes the other teams have started to say, well, how can we do that? How would that work in my unit? So it's increased engagement. It's streamlined the process. It has really made it run much more smoothly. And we'll begin in our next drill down, which uh, Mary had mentioned her subcommittees. We are having a clinical case review and we're inviting more folks were involved in the team. So it kind of all feeds up into that one of the outcomes with, you know, the CMO saying, this is a priority. We need to improve it. And it filtered down to the donor management guidelines. And now in the clinical subcommittee, we're going to look at that. And if somebody's saying, that's not, we're not doing as well as we could, we have a best practice here that we're utilizing. And eventually this is something We hope to take system-wide because we have community hospitals where, well, they might not have donations as much, the volume, because they're smaller. It's just as important. So we can offer assistance and guidance to to maximize donation out there for, for the donors, the recipients, and the families. Fascinating. So it's touching more of the staff and many departments throughout the hospital. Christine, would you like to share something? 
so really at the clinic, uh, similar to what UH is doing, um, we have um, our donor council. We have a small group of that who actually about 10, 12 people that report directly to our board of governors. And the membership on that group, you know, is from main campus and our regional hospitals. And then we have the larger team, which is actually our entire donor council, which as Mary just mentioned uh, for St. Elizabeth, we have about 50 to 60 people on that committee at any given time. So those are the boots on the ground, right? This involves our um, palliative medicine team, bioethics, intensivists, neurointensivists, social work, and nursing. So everyone's involved. And as Mary said, it's doesn't matter what the initials are behind your your name. We have people with all different credentials, but they all have a piece of it, but as well as even our patient transportation team and just people in the background that are, you know, sort of invisible, but they are the ones that make all of this happen and run smoothly. And any hospital has a hard time, really. They don't want, no one wants to believe that they would lose a patient. You know, they want to believe that they're going to be able to save everyone. One of the things for the Cleveland Clinic, we have recognized over the past few years that we need to have, and we have an end-of-life center headed by Dr. Perez Prado, and she is also part of our donor council. Uh, our donor council is headed by Dr. Michael Taylor and Dr. DeMont Donnie, uh, both of our intensivists. And one of the things we've worked hard with is our MICU team, who has worked to have really end-of-life champions on their unit, so that for families that are losing a loved one, the end is just not they just walk out the door. I mean, this is really part of handling end-of-life care very well. And uh, organ tissue and eye donation can be part of that for the family. So how do we do that? How we present, um, as one of uh, my co-workers here mentioned, the, the dialogue and the interaction has to be done well. We want this to be a smooth transition between those care teams and back and forth so that the family feels supported and comforted in their decisions. So I think I've really been able to, it's been blessed to see that at the Cleveland Clinic. And additionally, with the donor council, I know that our regional hospitals now feel, as well as many of our ICUs at main campus, feel very supported by our donor council. It's just not that one doctor and that one nurse working with LifeBank. There's an entire council committee um, that knows and lives by the policies and procedures for organ donations, supporting them and helping them at any time they need. Wow, that's huge. You know, we always say it takes a village to to make donation <laughs> happen. And if this isn't an example of that, I don't know what is. Is there anything more you'd like to share about your donor councils? Christine, I'm going to start with you. A lot of people will say to us, I can never imagine having your job. And, you know, it's a unique job. I think it's a phenomenal job. So I'm working between the clinicians, uh, the family, LifeBank. I mean, it's really, you know, quite a, a focus, as you just heard uh, described there. But I think the most important to me thing is that it's a very sacred time to be with people. I mean, it's really something to be working with people at end of life. And so that's, that's what it is to me. And getting this entire council uh, together and working as a smooth team is really part of that. And they all acknowledge that as a big part of the work here. Wonderful. Jenny? Just to build on what, what Christine and Mary have both said, it is 
you know, engaging folks at all different levels of the hospital, whether whatever your title is, and not only educating, but sharing with them. Because when when there's a, a donor case happening, they know. They see the family. They know what's going on. It's very evident in, in the unit. So we really like to be open with folks as much as we can about what is happening or like they both have said outcomes. It's very important um, for people at all levels to, to be involved. And I think one of the biggest changes we've had over the last two years here at UH is the engagement at different levels and really people being able to say, I can, how can I help you? And making it a priority and to, to make it kind of part of the culture. This is just what we do. So that's, that's really big. And, you know, we all look to each other to share best practices. And each hospital, while they're unique, and we can customize a certain amount to what would work here versus what would work at St. Elizabeth's or the clinic, um, I think it's really important to look at those best practices and share them, and there are national best practices, and I think, especially at these three large hospitals, we really try and implement those for the best outcomes. Excellent, excellent. Mary? One final thought on one of the major strengths of having a donor council and having a multidisciplinary donor council is that when we become familiar with each other and all of the entities described, I know Christine mentioned quite a few, and I can add chaplains, mission director, pharmacist, you know, uh, the, the pot is so diverse. So when we're having potential challenges, you know, meeting the needs of either a donor or their family, we know who we can go to. Like there's such a wide variety of people that when we become more familiar with each other and we have challenges, nobody is stuck wondering, who should I call to help me with this? We know exactly who to call. And because it's not just me, it's all these other 49 people working together. Um, if I'm not there or there, there's a challenge met or a different perspective on something that is needed for the family or the donor, it's, it's a phone call because all of these people, like I said, are volunteering their time and their commitment to make things better. And we know what their area of expertise is, what they bring to the table to better the process or serve families or donors in a better way. So reaching out to um, all these different entities when things may be a little challenging is very comforting to everybody. The entire hospital team feels more comforted knowing they have people that meet on a regular basis, discuss these things and can come up with an answer and definitely provide support. Wow. I am sincerely humbled by all you do to educate put in best practice into play and uniting the hospital staff to work together towards donation. You know, at the end of the day, these, these hospital staff members may have lost a patient, but I'm sure that they take pride knowing that they saved so many other lives through donation and transplantation. I can't thank you ladies enough. I'm so proud to work with you all. And just thank you for everything you do to make transplantation possible and to help our donor families. We certainly appreciate you, Colleen. Thank you. Oh, you guys are great. Thanks for telling these stories, Colleen. Thank you. Thanks, guys. 
We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.